have you ever cycled in a salon? No. <laughs> no? Well, if you do and you're cycling in the jungle, clouds of butterflies rise up in front of you and you have to cycle through them. Welcome to The Curious Cat, a podcast for the curious and adventurous. In this episode, I invite you to eavesdrop on a conversation with writer and adventurer Elizabeth Hutchings. I met Elizabeth quite by chance when exploring Freshwater Bay on the Isle of Wight with family. Intrigued by a small roadside sign for books, we followed a path that led to a charming bungalow where inside the great Elizabeth sat. Already a star on BBC Radio 4's Ramblings with Claire Balding, Elizabeth is a wonderful, sparkling raconteur. We were treated to a whistle-stop tour of her life that took us back to wartime England, to cycling in Italy and to adventures in Ceylon. On her table were the post-war diaries of her husband, historian Richard Hutchings, who she spoke about with great fondness and love. Listen on to hear Elizabeth speak with vivacity and wit as she looks back on her life. Are you the gardener, says the nearly three-year-old Elizabeth, to the man sitting in their new house in Hampshire? It can't be her father because he's just died up in Darlington and we've only just arrived. So that's the beginning of my biography. (laughs) Now, I've written it all up to 1994 and I'm meant to be sitting here writing up 2010, (laughs) 2009, and which I am doing. Uh, We've got about 60 diaries between us. I'm Elizabeth Hutchings. I was born Elizabeth Headley up in Darlington. I come from an enormous two shipbuilding families. Now, recently, I've just found these two books, and it's 61 hitchhikes that I did uh, from 45 to 47, and the London publisher has heard about these books, and they're two hardback books, and I wrote them in 1945 to 1947 while I was still in the services. So I was on the radar station as a radar operator on the, on the needles towards the end of the war. And uh, when on VE Day, uh, I was on leave and I got a telegram. You know those old-fashioned things called te- <laughs> saying, don't come back, we're closed. <laughs> now, Ventnor was the pivotal radar station for the whole of the war, but particularly for D-Day, obviously. But Bembridge and the Needles both did shipping. And, you know, on a radar, you get little blips. Well, as we saw convoys coming up the channel... If we saw a blip turning into the needles, into the Solon, we would ring the Coast Guard chiefies down below and we'd say there's something coming in and they would send an escort to escort them through that difficult channel. But one night, and you're so young you will never remember this, but you'll have heard it on, on the television programmes, don't use that light. Blackout. No, no, no. So, bicycles. We had to have little hoods on our bicycles even so the light wouldn't show. And one night they said, go out and have a look in the middle of the black dark. And we went out and there was this enormous ship fully lit up because, you know, they always do hospital ships. You're not meant to bomb hospital ship. So by being lit up? Lit up. It was known to the enemy, though some were killed. But, and I don't know which, but I 
presume it was either the, the Queen Mary or the Queen Elizabeth, both built before the war to go across the pond. They would have gone over to America when the Americans joined the war. They would have gone over there to bring the American troops over here and eventually go over on D-Day. These ones would have been bringing back casualties. So, so that's, that's how... I will tell you this on July the 19th, 1950... My new husband and I, Richard, set off on our bikes because we were told at the market garden where we were working that we could have a week's holiday. So we said, oh, we'll, we'll cycle to Paris. <laughs> so I've just read Richard's diary in which he actually says, I tentatively said to Elizabeth, and I don't know what she'd say, let's go round the world. And she said, yes. <laughs> So we said we'd leave the market garden and on we cycled, we got two lovely Humber bikes and we left and we sailed to Cherbourg. We didn't cycle across the channel, you know, because of the ship. And got us to Cherbourg. And all the way along from Cherbourg for about 40 or 50 miles, Richard was saying to me, oh, yes, we were shot at there. Oh, yes, we camped there, uh, so and the this was D plus two. And the first thing in this diary is three graves, three of his mates had been mm -hmm. killed, and then we're going back to hitchhiking because it also says he was in hospital for some tummy trouble. It wasn't he hadn't been shot, and his unit had obviously moved on. He was with the Royal Signals. And so in the middle of the night, and I don't know if they're still looking for him, in the middle of the night he got fed up being in hospital, packed his... and he hitchhiked trying to find... and that's going to be in the book when it's published because he goes on trying to find his unit. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much European history you know, but do you know who, where I mean by Arnhem? Yes. The, the parachute drop. Well, he actually saw that. Um, you know, when he caught up with his unit, he was there. And it's very near Nine Maiden. Now, we cycled to Paris, we turned right, and we did find in Paris one of my old school teachers, and I knew she lived in uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Paris Saint-Germain. Yes, sir, Paris Saint-Germain. Yes. And we knew, I knew she lived there, and I knew she lived in... The Maison Blanche. And we came there, we said, Maison, yeah, that's a white house, yes, that's a white house. But it, I did find her as well, which was great. Anyway, we then cycled down the Loire. Now, you know on the continent people go to sleep, I think it's called a siesta. Well, in the middle of the day we used to go siesta ourselves, having cycled. I mean, two or three days we did 100 miles, you know. And one day I washed all our clothes and hung them up by the Loire, and we went to sleep. And when we got up, I'd got a, a, a lovely blouse with sort of linen almost, or cotton, and it was bright yellow, and a moo cow had eaten all the back of it. But I wore it the next, the next few months. So we then went down the Loire, and we went into um, Marseille, we went into uh, Messagerie Maritime, and we said we wanted to get a ship to Ceylon, and they said you would have to. We booked. They booked it, 
and they said we'd have to wait a month. So we turned left, and do you know, I don't know if you camped in, the Pro- in Provence, but it's very difficult to get tent pegs into the ground in the middle of the summer in Provence, but we did, we managed. And then we got to Genoa, and we slept on the beach that night, I think, and we turned left, and we got some gendarmes. What are you doing? What are you doing here? We were on an autobahn, an autostrada, isn't it? And we didn't know signs. And so they made us turn round, and going up the, the river that goes up to the Po Valley, we had to go on the other... There was these people rushing around, and we had to go up the other side. Anyway, we camped there. Then, you see, you get to the Po Valley, and you try to camp, and it's all flooded, instead of tent pegs going in. Anyway, we got there. We celebrated my birthday in Verona, and then we got to Venice, and we, we I think we camped outside Venice, yes, on the railway line there somewhere. And that's where our, our um, camera was stolen, which is a shame, because we, we didn't get any more till Salon. So uh, then we turned right, obviously, and we went down past Cremona, not knowing about Stradivarius, of course. But And there, there were lots of apples and pears and things, which was wonderful. I'll tell you about bread. Bread <laughs> in France, you just put a loaf of bread on the back and strap it in. You get to Italy, all these little little bun things, and you have much more difficult. Not practical. Not, not a practical, practical travelling bread. No, not <laughs> practical. Because we had a tent... We had a billy can. Now, our billy can, do you know what I mean by an opera hat? No. Well, men used to have top hats, and if they went to the opera, would... would Collapse. Yes, and they're called opera. Well, our billy can was like that. It was canvas, mm-hmm. but it, it was could be packed like that. Anyway, we got halfway down the boot. Do you ever call basically the boot? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's, a, there's a rhyme, isn't there? Somebody put... Kicked yes. Sicily into yes. the Mediterranean or something. Yeah. I can't remember what it is now. Yeah. So we turned right, went up over the Apennines, arrived in Rome sort of about six o'clock in the evening. So we didn't pitch up our tent. We put... I always said it was the Borghese Gardens, but my husband has written the Pension Gardens. And we, uh, we just rolled up in our uh, sleeping bags. And in the middle of the night, some men turned up in the middle of the night, woke us up and said, Hello, 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 what are you doing here? Are you... Pe-? And they said, Pellegrini. Pellegrini is a pilgrim. Now, it was. I don't know how much you know about the Catholic uh, thing, but in the Catholic year... The 50s are holy years. The 100s are very, very holy years. So we were there in the 50s and we'd been seeing everybody as well, all, you know, carrying crosses in sandals. Everybody was going to Rome. And they were able to tell us that the scouts had set up um, camps all the way around Rome for the pilgrims, and they say, are you pilgrims? Oh, see, see, of course we are, you know. And so for the next five days, we cycled ten miles into um, into Rome every day, and 
on the Saturday, we saw a sign. We were going to the bars of Caracalla, and the sign said, Tosca, tonight! So we saw Tosca. And the thing about it was that when, in the year 2000, the BBC did Tosca for three nights running live from all the locations. And I then discovered that we were seeing it on its 50th anniversary. So we then, on our wedding anniversary, September the 17th, we left Rome and we started out. We bought a chocolate cake, obviously. <laughs> if you know me, you'd know why. We started out peddling, and then we came across a bit of a slope. And the slope got to... And you know when you go up a hill, uh, you think this is the top, and you turn left, this is the top. No, the, we were struggling. We were really struggling. Pushing, obviously, not biking. And suddenly, a little MG car pulled up in front of us with four burly young men in it. And they said, can we help? Which, considering their car was already full, and we had it, um, oh, now this was in the days when people traveled with leather luggage. Now, leather luggage is kept together with leather straps. Are you getting there? Are you ahead of me? (laughs) Two straps were taken off the luggage the two men in the back held the straps out. We held on to the straps. Woo! I mean, <laughs> and we got to the top. So our first wedding anniversary in 1950 was spent in an eating chestnut grove in the top of La Spezia mountain. Now, do you know the connection with La Spezia? La Spezia, it was off the coast of La Spezia that Shelley was drowned. So we'd already seen his grave in in Rome. So there's another little connection. Anyway, we managed managed to get to Marseille and went to Massage Bank. Yes, that's all right. Then we went the next day or so. They said, well, you can't go. The ship has been commandeered by the services to take the first French troops to Korea. The next day, we said, yes, you can. Because we were, you know, we tell You'd waited a month, had, had an adventure for a month. <laughs> so they said, yes, we can go. So they'd got two cabins, one of gendarmes going back to what was then French Indochina, Vietnam. They were going back home on leave. I was, I was in the cabin with all these nuns and it turned out that the nuns had been um, I I can never remember the name there are certain uh, order (laughs) there was a specific order of nuns worldwide had had some sort of convention or something in France and the ones from it turned out from India were going back so I was in with all these nuns. <laughs> so then we arrived in Salon. We could have listened to Elizabeth for hours, hearing someone reminisce about their adventures, their lust for life, and with such freshness, even at 90, is endlessly inspiring. It teaches us to never stop exploring, never stop learning, that that spark is in us all. 